0: Forget it. you You're 10 years ago in my house. Huh? What's the matter? You don't like my house? My house stinks? That right, it stinks! I
1: ain't have no baby from you! Don't fall around me!
0: Talk about your prime.
1: What about my prime, Nick? At least you of prime!
0: I ain't had no prime, I ain't had nothing. Legs are going, everything is going, Nobody's getting getting enough guy comes up, offers me a fight. Big dude, wanna fight the fight? Yeah, I'll fight the big fight. I wouldn't wanna fight
1: that big fight that was gonna happen to me. I wanna get that! I wanna get that!
2: This is something I doubt. That I care. Too much about. I realize that's fair. Nevertheless, we're going on air.
0: I started doing a podcasting show. I turned down, down, down as the voices began to blow. It gets loud, loud,
2: loud in the studio studio
0: ladies and gentlemen welcome back to average joe's media i am the average joe boo and this is the podcast things you think you don't care about brought to you by the home buying guys hey guys lance here adam here we're the Home Buying Guys, and we are so excited to be sponsoring this season of the Average Joe's Podcast, Things You Think You Don't Care About. Tell people who the Home Buying Guys are.
1: Yeah, so we do everything real estate in Dallas-Fort
2: Worth. We can uh, make cash offers on homes, we sell houses on MLS for homeowners, we do remodeling, uh, we do design work, we do everything that
0: you can think of real estate related buying selling helping fixing flipping buying holding cash wholesale offers we got you covered If you have any questions please keep following along with the average joes and the home buying guys thank you okay guys there we are so uh first of all courtney welcome back thank you patrick welcome back thank you uh so uh today you you may have heard uh, that first little blurb there uh 30 40 seconds from the original Rocky movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever uh, Apollo Creed finds his name in the registered boxers and sees that he's the Italian Stallion and he's trying to replace the number like the number 1 contender for the for the belt because uh, he had some broken fingers or something like that. He's going through this book, how can we sell this bicentennial boxing match and make it a good story, right? So he sees the Italian Stallion and says Creed versus the Italian Stallion, that's going to sell out, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so Rocky gets has, no, has nothing in terms of a boxing career to speak of, and he's even potentially kind of on the way out at his gym. And then uh, that scene is when Mickey comes to his apartment and says he wants to be his manager because Mickey didn't have a manager whenever he was boxing in the prime of his career. and uh, And it was after the fight had already been announced, and he had already accepted the fight. Uh, and so it, uh, you know, he's, he's got himself a bit of a, a bit of an anger situation. You know, people are now starting to kind of be in his corner, but where were they for the last 10 years when he started boxing? Right. And so he's kind of letting it out, having a little rage fit right there. Uh, and Mickey, what, 76 years old or something that he's portrayed there. Uh, I mean, I honestly think he's in his eighties or nineties whenever he's acting, but, uh, you know, he's, he's trying to. Humble himself in such a way. Okay, you know what? Maybe timing's bad. Maybe things I've done have haven't been good for you. And now I'm, you know, just start starting to nibble at the plate a little bit. I got it. You don't want me around. I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce. Mm-hmm. So he's walk. You could hear as that uh, as that audio started to diminish. It was whenever it was showing Mickey in the stairwell, and so Rocky's screaming through sh- shut doors, right? So the audio goes down. Uh, but uh, but anyways. We're talking today therapy, thoughts on therapy and ego. and I think these go hand in hand, which is the reason why I'm bringing them up. Sure okay uh, A few episodes ago, end of season five, towards the end of season five, old, uh, old, old Joe told me that he thought I should I should involve myself in some therapy. okay uh, Whatever that means, I've never I've never partaken of any kind of a therapist session in any way, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I understand the potential benefits. I understand the potential needs. Um, but I've never personally done it, okay? Uh, I, feel like, uh, I feel like I've feel like i had a religious background such that uh, anytime I've had a big problem, anytime I've had uh, something that I've needed to work through, I go to the Bible, right? Or I go to prayer or something like that, and it's very much something that I need to deal with, and maybe I don't need to push it onto other people. Now, Whatever that means for any of us, you know, we all deal with things differently, and people have their thoughts on therapy. Mm -hmm. So I was also told about six and a half years ago, hey, let's go to therapy. Mm -hmm. Before there was a discussion between the two of us that said, why, like, that we couldn't talk. There was no discussion about any type of problem. Hey, let's go to therapy right out of the blue now i started i asked this question on uh, on a dad group that said uh okay hey your wife says out of the blue we should go to therapy what do you do half of the responses were, go what's what's the harm right my response to her she will deny this to the day she uh, i die day she dies whatever uh my response to her was why don't we talk first because I don't know what's going on. Talk to me or try to talk to me. Mm-hmm. And then if we can't talk, then maybe let's go to therapy. She denies that I said that. She says, you just said no. You, you just wrote it off. Okay. You know, perception is what it is, right? Men are from Mars. Women are from Venus or whatever. Right. Right. Uh, what I'm saying, she doesn't understand uh, the way that I say it. What she says, I don't understand the way she says it. Anyway, so... Uh, so my thoughts are: number one, have either of y'all been to therapy in any way, shape, or form?
3: I did the premarital counseling. It's close to nothing. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So
0: you had somebody to to talk to about uh, things that would come up in a marriage. Uh, are you ready to be married? Uh, do you understand the the implications of what you're about to do?
3: Right, and it's more from a biblical sense. Yeah. We had our, we had our pastor, which is my brother-in-law, who married us. Okay. They, yeah, we went through. It was a couple of weeks worth.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So, what did you think about
2: that?
3: Uh, You know, I, I imagine therapy is a little bit more intensive. Uh-huh. I think it really made us uh, look at some issues that we had. Right. Uh, that we talked about, but not quite fully addressed. Okay. And then just acknowledge, that, hey, this is an issue. It's something we have to, you know, to work on and, and to move forward. So, um, yeah, but I mean, my sister, she's actually uh, finishing up her license, to become a therapist. Okay. And she swears by it. Sure. Especially, you know, in the black community, it's kind of like, oh, uh, if you're going to therapy, then you're damaged goods, kind of that stigma.
0: Yeah, well, that's the stigma. I think that's a stigma Overall. in a lot of places. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, uh, it was mine. Why am I going to therapy for something I don't know about? Uh, this is going to bring up a whole bunch of other stuff that isn't an issue. Right. And it's going to become an issue now because you want me to... To, you now you want me to share hundred percent of my feelings when let's call it 60% of them are completely irrelevant to the to the situation altogether.
3: But do you think some of those issues may be uh, I guess when you find a, like a lump or something like that you may want to try to clean out around it to make sure it does not become an issue down the line do you think there's any merit in that?
0: I don't disagree that that's a potential right? Uh, you don't just you don't just take out the dead cells you take out the cells around them if you're clearing out cancer or something like that. Absolutely, I, I completely understand that. But my point is is that is that I had this I had this idea of what my marriage was and she had a complete opposite idea. And mm-hmm. and now therapy. So I'm I'm coming in blind I'm getting blindsided with therapy. I'll get that, yeah. Where I'm thinking therapy's gonna make what I have in my head like a thousand times worse. <clears throat> right. You know so, how do i how do I say yes to a thousand times worse right or how do I just automatically go for it? Let's talk and then if I start to see or if we start to understand that it is already a thousand times worse and now it's opening my eyes well let's let's make it only five hundred times worse like let's cut that in half a little bit let's right. make it better more manageable whatever of course, I'm just using silly numbers, but Anyways, I'm just sitting back thinking, no, this is crazy. I don't. What's the pro, what's so wrong that we need to have somebody else in between us? You can't talk to me. Like that was my biggest deal. Sure, you, you can't talk to me. I am kidding, Yeah. And so I've always felt like I'm a good listener. Uh, I know that there's people out there going to say no, I'm not, and that's fair. But I've always felt like I've I've been able to allow people to vent and not just 100% interject my stuff. Uh, if it seems like they're looking for advice, I'll give advice. I feel like I've always been uh, a decent advice giver, you know, look at both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. et cetera. But at the same time, that was the first time where something came into my circle of influence where it was like, you now need this. Sure. And so bomb dropped, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, so my thoughts are, my thoughts are that if you... A rational, if you have a relatively rational way of looking at things, then therapy is not for you because you're going to be, you're, it's going to be like the exact opposite in terms of rationality.
2: But it depends on where you go. Absolutely. Like there's two different, okay, so I have been to therapy. Okay. Both marital therapy and, and uh, like therapy sessions within my job. Okay. So I can speak, I guess, on both sides. Good. Now, uh, four years ago, I was begged to go to therapy. Begged, and I and I had the same, the same uh, reaction you did. Okay. Why? Why can we not talk First. just between us yeah. and figure out what's going on and right. try to try to save it on our own? Because if we can't handle our own problems. Then how is somebody else supposed to handle them too? Right, and I can I can remember talking about it and trying to figure things out and everything else, and it and it it worked to an extent, uh-huh. but at the same time, you kind of start digging down into things that you don't really have control over, mm-hmm. and you want to say things that you don't feel comfortable saying uh-huh. to where you need that extra person to come in and kind of say, you heard what they said, but did you really hear what they're saying? Sure. Um. So everything kind of calmed down, and I can remember it to this day. I can remember it to when it it calmed down, just us talking, mm-hmm. and then it went back to everything was bad again. Uh-huh. And I was driving around in a, in a car with a guy, and I said, "You know, it was three o'clock in the morning. Y- you just kind of start running out of things to talk about, and you kind of just start talking about your personal life." Absolutely, and. I said, you know, it's crazy. I can go into a house and in 15 minutes I can solve that problem for that night. Huh? Whether it's make somebody leave, whether it's take somebody to jail, whether it's call somebody to come pick them up, whatever yep. it is, I can fix that problem for the night. Yep. But when I go home, you've heard me say this. When I go home, I can't even fix my own problems. Yeah. My home problems are so bad right now that I can't fix my own stuff. Right. So fast forward um, five six years. Mm-hmm. Now I'm on the other end, begging for therapy. therapy. Yeah. Now we went to a guy. He's a super good guy. One of my buddies at work actually recommended him to to me. Okay. Said that he helped him out, saved his marriage, saved everything about it. Okay. He goes to him on uh, individual basis, and then he also goes to him on a couple bases as well. Now this dude is actually pretty legit. Okay. Um. <clears throat> He will call you out and tell you, stop. Uh-huh. That's that's not where you're supposed to be going or right. this is where we're trying to do it. So it's not more of like a huggy feely mm. like let's talk about, you know, how this makes you feel. Right. Stuff like that. It's more of a like what is going on? Yeah, I'm gonna guide you, I'm gonna guide the conversation, but you guys are gonna be doing all the talking and I'm gonna be doing all the listening. I'll take some notes down and then once you feel like you've said what you need to say, I'm going to reiterate on some, some points, and I'm going to tell you about a, a few different things, and then I'm going to give it over to the next person and let the next person talk. So, does it work in in that aspect? Absolutely, because I can tell you from the time that it stopped, uh-huh. uh, I went to four sessions from the time that it started. It was great, and from the time that it stopped, it did a complete 180-degree turn. Really?
0: And went absolutely the wrong way. Well, see, to me, that makes 100% sense. Mm-hmm. Once you rely on an external source mm-hmm. for an internal problem. Sure. Your internal stuff doesn't get solved internally
2: anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean our conversations because it went from like zero talk. Okay. I don't talk to you. You don't talk to me. You leave me alone. I leave you alone. It's a business relationship. We right. take care of the kids. I've got them here. I've got them here. You know, tag right. yep. you're in, I'm going to work. You're going to work type thing. That's how it was.
0: I imagine there's a ton of people out there that can, completely uh, just are on board or, or understand exactly
2: what you're saying right yes, now. Yes. Yeah. And that's, that's where we were at. And then it kind of, it went to, okay, like I can at least sit in this room with you and I can at least talk to you and I can at least understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm fixing to get really fired up. So you better give me a couple minutes because I'm, I'm, I need, I need to just breathe. Yeah. You know, um, our arguments were, uh, they were, they were, Marathon arguments, yeah. I guess if you could say it that way, the same point would get drove home for like three hours. So
0: whoever lasted longer like won the
2: argument. Yeah, yeah. Wait, like three hours straight.
0: Oh yeah. Oh man. Oh yeah. A little and off so, and on, actually. Like you come back tap to it out for Uncle. No, 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 right no. Like oh, like you sit. Same, you know, you're in the same spot yeah. dealing with. And,
2: it. and usually it happened at like one, two o'clock in the morning. Ah, uh, mm. you know Kid, what I mean. Kids like, are in bed. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um and. You know, that's where I got the mentality of, well, you know what, I'm tired of talking about this, so I'm going to pick up the biggest rock that I can possibly pick up, and I'm going to throw it, and I'm going to make you super, super upset, and you're going to hate me, and you're going to stop talking, and I win Mm -hmm. because now I get to go to sleep.
0: Yep. Uh, Which kind (laughs) of, which actually kind of is a good (laughs) segue into into the next part we're going to talk about, but we'll we'll get there in a minute.
2: So, um, yeah, it's it opened it up, and then. Um, Once it once it was gone, it felt it it just fell back into the same routine. Yeah, you know what I mean, right? So once yeah,
0: once the external assistance was out, yes, like uh, that's what I mean. Removing the stent, the
3: communication stent, right? Exactly. And then
0: so that internal it just imploded again. Yes, right. And then until there was some uh, another external, but it's almost like damage was done. Yes, by eliminating the help. Yes, right. Yes. See, that's kind of where I'm at. Like. Uh, I get therapy is a good thing for people. It has its benefits. You do have to find the right person because if you're just if someone's just over there spinning their wheels or you're just spinning your wheels with the same person, yes, you're wasting money or you're wasting time or both, and you're not getting anywhere. Uh, you find out, um, like to me, to me everything I know about therapy is completely cinematic it's it's in the movies or it's uh or it's potentially like hearsay from from friends who've gone into it or whatever mm-hmm. but at that point in time it's completely secondary or or tertiary right it's it has nothing to do with me it's all somebody else's issues that they're wanting to address and they go about it however they see fit well at the same time you can't help but make judgments about what therapy is going to do or what its purpose is, and so I'm sitting back thinking, I don't want to go in somewhere and talk about my childhood when I'm trying to deal with my marriage, right? I don't want to. I don't want someone to say, uh, I don't. I don't want to come up, bring up like daddy issues or something. And then all of a sudden, like, okay, there's your issue with your marriage, right? Uh, right. This person had a, had some daddy issues, you know? He, he was never good enough for his father. He never pleased anybody or whatever. Sure. And so this is the reason why, like, because to me that's completely bogus. It has maybe like a, a minute connection because for me, 37, on, on Thursday, by the way, uh, 37 years, uh... <clears throat> The amount of influence that my dad had on me in terms of what I'm doing right now in things that he was not like I wasn't good enough for are so minor. Are sure. so minor like there was not that many. Mm-hmm. If you really look at thirty-seven years worth of stuff that he could he could actually be disappointed in. Those right. those first eighteen years, there wasn't that much that he could really press on that would have a a lasting effect in my life right now. Maybe that's just my situation. Of course, other people are different. Anyway, so that's that's just kind of my deal. Like I don't I don't want somebody sitting there probing into stuff that to me has such a small connection to. You're a grown man. Mm-hmm. Feelings are what they are. Ob- objectivity and subjectivity are what they are. So you're blaming. All this stuff from when you were eight, nine, 10, 12, 16. You're blaming all this stuff now on when you were th- that young and completely impressionable and before you had any real independence to make any decisions on your own and do all this other stuff. And I'm sitting back thinking, it's, it just, it to me, it's a bridge to the unnecessary. Sure. Okay. That's, but that's my, mis- that's probably my misconception. Right, I've never done it. I'm, like I said, all my all my information is secondary and tertiary, so or or even further than that. So, uh, like so, here I, I put this question out on Facebook in a group uh, of some dads, and uh, the very first one was my exact thoughts: find out the reason, then go for it. That was my thoughts. Why are we going to therapy? Sure. Well, we never we never got there, so we never went for it. We never found, I never found out the reason. I never got a reason. So we never went for it. Uh, One person said, I'm divorced. You tell me.
2: Exactly. (laughs) So,
0: I mean, uh, (laughs) one guy says, if you truly want to work it out or stick it out, then go. Uh, One guy said, uh, don't take notes during the session. Therapist hates that. They, for some reason, they're the only ones. But they supposed, can take notes? Right. They're the only ones supposed to be taking notes. So shouldn't
3: you figure out, I guess it's job security, you know? Yeah. If you kind of figure out what they're trying to get in tune to. It, right. You, know, I, you Okay, know. have either one it of y'all, so. like
0: during a conversation, taken notes?
2: Yes. Yeah? All the time, yeah.
0: Ha- was, how was it received? It wasn't an issue. Oh, yeah? You're talking about during therapy? No, 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 It's during, in general. During a conversation with significant other.
3: Oh, no. Well, not not visible. It might have been on my phone, like I'm texting. But yeah, I'm in my Word document. Two like, twenty uh, <laughs> That's two twenty-seven uh, uh, nineteen. Uh, eight that.
0: minutes into this conversation, she said that I'm fat. Okay, okay. I agreed, but she cry myself to say. But she but she denies she ever said that. Right. Okay. Uh, was it? So they don't. So they didn't know you took notes. No. Okay. What What would they do if you told them? Hey, you know what? I don't. I don't feel like. You think I listen to you or whatever? So I've, I've taken some notes on our conversations. I mean, I,
3: that's
1: Good move, bad
0: move.
3: I'm I'm a very open book, so okay. You know, whenever it's kind of like I didn't say that. You know, kind of a little more of a yeah, we did. So now, how can we fix this? Keep this from happening again? Okay. Still, I thought you said, or I felt like, or you made me feel. No, this is. Actually, what happened? So, see, I look, at it, uh, I sure. look at it from a. I look at
0: from a standpoint of uh, as a teacher, you teach the kids that there are like three or four ways to learn material: you hear it, you do it, you see it, you read it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, taking notes like accomplishes all four of those things Absolutely. in in some small way. Uh, so, if you don't think I'm listening to you, and you're going to tell me you don't listen to me, well, mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to take some notes, so then I can know what you said try to analyze some uh, context into what you said because that goes into the notes or at least right. hopefully it does if you ta- if you're a good note taker and then i have a, a frame of reference mm-hmm. like for me it's a good thing i would i would argue that it's probably not i w- probably have a negative reaction like you're gonna you're gonna throw those back into my face type of thing
2: well, I mean, yeah, it, it it will probably it'll look like that. Yeah. But it depends on what the context of the conversation is. It also too.
0: depends on your motives, so your your
2: purpose Absolutely. for doing it, right?
0: So but yeah, the therapist can take notes, but but don't you go and taking notes. Uh this one guy put uh the Admiral Akbar from Star Wars, it's a trap. Right? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh one guy asked said, uh, ask if your girlfriend can come too. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> oh. Uh you know, and like I said, h- half or more said make it a priority. Go as soon as you can. Go. Okay. When do we start? Uh, one guy said, try five. Uh, the try the book Five Languages of Love. Um, it helps. Does not. Okay. <laughs> listen. <laughs> no. Listen. Uh, like if, okay. To me, that's the same thing as if uh, taking a personality test. Like you're part uh, authoritarian, you're part sure. uh, servant, you're part uh-huh. whatever. Like you, you, you do those things. Okay. So, you're telling me you respond to all these in some way? Okay, cool. But one is more than the other. Okay, yeah, great. I'll read it. You know, mm-hmm. I won't actually. I, I would listen to it on the on the audible. But I love audible. Uh, okay. So uh, this one guy put, and this is this is probably one that I'll end on before we transition and, and go into the big the big rock that you throw, the big uh, oh yeah, okay, the, the yeah. big bomb. Uh, somehow I doubt that it's out of the blue she didn't just wake up and decide this you guys clearly have problems that you've been choosing to ignore that or you've been oblivious to your wife's perspective on your marriage sorry it's uh, sorry if it sucks to hear that but I'd venture to guess it's the case most likely absolutely if it's, if it's I see that out of the blue out of the blue is probably in only one perspective or perspective mm-hmm. you know uh, which Hey, that is what it is, and most of the time, whenever there is something that's a bomb that feels like it's should drop somewhere, it, is, it does feel out of the blue to somebody.
3: I, I agree with that sentiment, but I will say that for in that particular situation where you felt blindsided, I think that I, it's got to be a two-way street in a sense, that makes sense. Uh, absolutely. So if it was big enough to cause that, that divide, then it should have been something that been addressed going to. There should have been something right. that, yeah.
0: uh, like, if you want to get me on board... That's that's kind of where I'm at. If you want me to be on board with what you're wanting me to be on board with, uh-huh. let's have that discussion. Sure. Don't just don't just expect it to happen out of the blue because to me it's out of the blue. Like whoa, whoa, whoa. Where is this coming from? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe let's let's just talk. Let's figure that reason out, and then I can get on board. Uh, that's one of the, so uh, I, I told you I want to talk about. Uh, uh, a book called uh, Extreme Ownership And there's a, a book called The Dichotomy of Leadership And this guy just completely talks about uh, He talks about characters of leaders And one of them One of the dichotomies is to own everything Own everything in your sphere of influence But uh, but give um, Like give Give credit Right um, Empower others That's what it is oh, yeah. Own it all but empower others So Uh, So you can, you can own that the situation you are in charge of, but all the other people that you've empowered can jump, can, can ride the ship with you and, Mm -hmm. and be involved. And it's, uh, you know, their plans and he's a, he's a Navy SEAL. So if there's an aspect of a mission, right, these three guys, y'all plan this aspect of this mission. Mm -hmm. Well, when they plan it, they're 100% on board with making sure that it absolutely goes to plan because they own it. It's their part of the mission. So that part is going to be completely bought into by that group of guys. And whenever you do that, then generally speaking, the entire team takes ownership of all the little things. So everything becomes important. Everything is, they're on board with everything. Now I'm paraphrasing. I may have got a little bit of it wrong, but, uh, but that's my deal. Like, uh, how, how am I going to get on board with this? If, if it is out of the blue to me, how am i going to react the way you want me to react if you're going to tell me this like i should like i should already know but i don't so if my response is is not what you want let's have a conversation to get me where you want me to be right yeah. and then maybe also that could be a part of the therapy right mm-hmm. cuz when you go into therapy as a couple you're the, the therapist isn't the one talking Y'all are, y'all are talking, right? The therapist may be asking some questions, maybe giving some advice, maybe, uh, tempering some, some statements for a minute. Hey, oh, hold on to that. Let, let her talk or hold on yeah, to that. Oh, yeah. Let him talk or whatever. He's a moderator. Or she's a moderator. Right? Mm-hmm. So, but who's the people really talking? The two, and that's a my couple. thoughts on therapy. You are, you're going to be talking anyways. I understand the mediator aspect cause I'm, I'm a mediator as a coach. Mm-hmm. You're a mediator as a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have people that you are over, you're a mediator in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah. You're a mediator whenever you go to, whenever you make a uh, answer a call, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a third person has its value. A third set of ears, uh, an idea that's objective, that's impartial, has its value. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, how am I going to buy in to something that? Number one, I already have a negative opinion about. Number two, I didn't even have this idea in my head that you thought that this was a good idea until just now. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you want me to get on board?
3: I, listen listen to that. I think, me personally, I would feel some kind of way because I try to foster communication with my wife. So if I felt we're to a point where we can communicate between us two, mm-hmm. but yet you have a mediator, mediator involved with it, and now things are flowing, I think I would feel some kind of way because, okay, well, why couldn't this be a conversation we had when this first became an issue? Sure, yeah. And then maybe we could have avoided all this and had the Absolutely. animosity could have been squashed a long time ago, yes. and then we could then continue to grow. So that's what, me, but then again, you know, me and my, my wife, she's not a very talkative about, you know, we came from two different backgrounds. My household, we were very emotions on our sleeve, let's uh-huh. talk it out, you know. And then for my dad, being his mind, how he works, I'm always evaluating. Okay, uh-huh. so what can I make sure I can do to make sure that you know we don't go down this path? Yeah, you know, I heard a coach say one time, if you do it once, it's messed up. If you do it twice, and you know better, you're just a dummy. Yeah, a little phase is a little differently. Absolutely, you know? it's <laughs> the <keep> it, <laughs> fool, me,
0: fool me once, fool me twice. It's just that can't whole come twice. Absolutely, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. exactly. So Absolutely, I, I
3: w- I'll definitely have a certain kind of feeling where now we can get these issues flowing. You know, yeah, as opposed to. You Know, like we talked about before, you move that emotional stent, then what happens? Yeah, is it going to cave back in, or can we only talk under these settings? That's what would kind of worry me as far as co- uh, couples counseling go. But yeah. I will say, my sister, she we were talking about, you know, when you we were younger, <clears throat> things of that nature, yeah. she swears by it. She's like, Well, you never know, you things that you may have buried or you tried to pave over yeah. from an emotional standpoint. If you keep paving over it and patch the pothole and actually fix it, then it's going to erupt to something bigger.
0: Absolutely, I don't, I don't disagree that if you if there is a, an issue that it, that perpetuates, then it does need to be addressed or it does need to be uh, uh, maybe just analyzed so you can see it in a different light or something like that, bring it to surface. But uh, at the same point in time, that's generally. A singular issue for not, sure not a dual issue no, yes, right yeah, you know yeah. and anybody to me anybody that says that all this stuff that happens to me whenever i was whenever i was x years old at home and and now now you're saying that because i'm doing something it's causing you to think of all that uh i'm not whoever that was that influenced you back then you know i'm i'm not saying the same things i'm not doing the same thing you're now grown and this could be someone talking to me as well, but like it's it's so it's to me it's a stretch to take something that happened when you were little and say that somebody else is now directly affecting that in you.
2: You know, I would okay. So like let's just say this, like when I was when I was little, yep. and I would wake up in the mornings, my mom would ask me immediately, "What do you want for lunch? What are you going to wear today?" What do you want for this? What are you going to do there? Are you coming home after school? Are you going here? Are you going there? And it would always irritate me. It would put me in a horrible mood. Yep. Right. Because number one, I just woke up. Like, give me two seconds uh-huh. to gather myself. Sure. You know, open my eyes up, and then I will. I promise you, I will tell you everything. Yeah. So to this day, if I wake up, and as soon as I wake up, I get what's for breakfast. Where are we going? What are we going to do? Do I need to take a shower? Do we? Do that? It automatically puts me in a. Not a bad mood, but uh-huh. I, I'm, you're starting off on the wrong foot, I guess you could say, right? Sure. So then any other little thing that goes wrong is just going to further my negative attitude or, or bad mood. Right? right. So think about it as you're in a relationship and mm-hmm. you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or whatever it is that you have. And, <laughs> and they do something uh-huh. that goes back to what your mom or dad did when you were young. Yeah. And it puts you in a bad mood. Uh-huh. Or it frustrates you. Sure. Anything that comes after that is going to frustrate you, thus causing an argument. Understood. I understand that. Uh, See, but
0: to me, um, there is such a thick line Mm -hmm. between who's asking the questions. So, mom asked the questions, you got mad at mom. Mm Mm-hmm. Your com your communication with your mother whenever you were a teenager mm-hmm. was probably most of the time really ill conceived. Because like if you got mad at her or if you got frustrated with her because of something she was doing as your mother, mm-hmm. it was like, I don't want to deal with this mom. Yeah. Right? Leave me alone, go. Right. <laughs> right. Get out of here. Right? Uh, but now at this, at I mean, in, in this time of your life, right? It's mm-hmm. it's not mom. No. So my my reaction that I've gotten to things like that when my tone has changed, which mm-hmm. I actually I actually watched. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy. He was he's a rabbi, and he was he was at his service preaching, and it was on YouTube, and he was talking about the comedy of marriage. And you can just look up the comedy of marriage if okay. you want to listen to it. But he said, "There's there's tones." You have a tone when you talk to your parents. Mm-hmm. You have a tone when you talk to your children. You have a tone when you talk to your friends. You have a tone when you talk to your spouse. You have a tone when you talk to someone who's just an acquaintance. You know, someone you don't know. Sure, there are tones. So, what's the tone you're taking with with the wife or the girlfriend or the boyfriend or whatever? Mm-hmm. Is it the same tone that you would take with your parents, or is it the same tone you would take with your children? I've been guilty of using the condescending "I'm not your child," or "You're not my dad" tone. like I've been I've been told that my tone has been treating someone like they're a child and that I'm their father when they're my age, sure, right? or around my age, right? Uh, which I completely understand that, so that's where'm I'm, where I'm at. My thoughts have always gone to who am I talking to. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't fully get there. Because because I'm I'm getting dad esque on them. Mm-hmm. But uh so anyways, and, and I know that it might take therapy to see that from a from a different perspective, from mm-hmm. someone who is objective there, someone who is not involved emotionally yeah. to see, okay, well it to me what I just heard was you talking to her as if she is your daughter. And not your wife or she is your mother and not your wife or mm. girlfriend or boyfriend Mm -hmm. or whatever.
3: So we all have those blind spots, but it's just each person, obviously everybody has their own gifts. Can you evaluate your blind spots and be more, I guess, I don't know. Observant. Yeah. Of those little can things. Can you be objective can, of your own can. self? Right. Some people can, some people just don't have that yeah. ability. So they that's may very have, difficult. They may not have a, any other choice but to have a third party come in. And
0: How them. do you become objective of your own self? That's what we're gonna get into right now. Listen to this, it's about a one minute, uh, one minute clip.
1: And if there was a problem between leaders, between leaders, between people, between troops, ninety-nine percent of the time when I would pull the thread on that problem, at the end of that thread would be ego. You'd find it all the time, I'd find it all the time. And when I retired from the Navy and I started working with leadership in civilian companies, no shock, I found the same thing. When when leaders can't get along, when when they can't find a solution, when they can't even move forward despite having a common goal. When I'm working with companies and I pull the thread on that problem, I find the same thing. I find ego.
0: Okay, ego. Mm -hmm. How can you look at yourself objectively when we all have an ego? We all have some defined nature Mentally about who we are About what we bring to the table About our abilities About whether or not we're in control Our emotions We don't get emotional, whatever Uh, How do you stay on yourself objectively What is ego How does ego How does ego affect you How does ego affect the people around you To me, that's my biggest thing And I know it About myself the reason why I said no to therapy initially was ego because it hurt my ego. It made me think something was wrong with me. It made me think something was not good enough when I thought things were good enough, right? I thought I was in full control of my, of my sphere of influence. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's this bombshell out of the blue. Let's go to therapy. Well, now that's going to bring up all these other things They're gonna that are going to, Slice at my ego A little bit mm-hmm. Right They're gonna cut me down In some way To make me uh, I hate using the term Vulnerable But vulnerable Is probably the best word there um, They're gonna make me feel um, uh, Like There's like there's just so many things I'm doing wrong That's gonna make me Have to Completely reanalyze My entire life Right Or something like that So ego Is probably the biggest reason Why I said no uh, It I uh, let's just say the first time ever saying that out loud, admitting it, you know, or whatever. Um, because before I felt like I was in, not I'm not gonna say in control, but I felt like things, uh, things can be handled, right? We talk about that anyway. So, uh, ego as coach, what's one of the biggest issues that you see when, uh, when you're coaching your players, how they respond to you?
3: Uh, I think ego far as uh, – it okay. could be, obviously, in most situations, it could be a double-edged sword. But when you're coaching, um, when you're relation, relating to the kids, I think that ego, it could be good and bad. Yeah. Um. I Probably the most influential coach I've ever been around, Flint Rising over at Lakeview. And he always says, as a coach, you have to have a swagger about yourself. Uh-huh. Not to the point of cocky Because when you're cocky You're not worried about Getting your guys getting better Right You're just kind of Letting it happen what happened But mm-hmm. you need to have A sense of confidence And understanding What you want to see done And how you want to see it done Right and Otherwise how can you Expect people to follow you So I've always lived From that notion But I think Ego as far as our profession I think it gets more With the adults in the room Yeah That's where ego Is just like Because me I mean I would, I don't think I'm cocky I'm very confident In what I do uh-huh. But I'm, all, I'm confident Because I'm always trying to Find better ways to do it and get mm-hmm. more out of it. Right. I'm never ever content, and that's my that's kind of where my ego comes in. I never want to be out coached. Sure. I never want to watch film of a defensive line that just handle my offensive line that should not have. You know, it's yeah. different if they're just a bunch of Division I, six, five, three, right. 25 across the board. You can do what you can do. Sure, right. But you have to be. You know, and that goes back to evaluation as well. Um, but you know, as far as my ego, as far as the coaching goes, I never want to go into a film session or a staff meeting. Saying okay, how can we get these fixed? Your guys are messing up, right? So my ego, Monday through Thursday, I want to make sure we're addressing everything we need to address, so it never gets to that point, right? Where we're the problem and not the solution, right? Sure. Absolutely. But I think it, obviously the more power you have, the more fragile your ego is. Yep. You know, if you're offense coordinator, well, why are they telling me this? I've been doing this for X amount of years. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Not knowing what this person, you know. Did you say, say how fragile in. your ego is? Oh, for sure. I
0: would say I would say uh, how. How much more influential your ego is to you, like how much more it controls you, and I don't know if I don't I wouldn't say it's fragile.
3: I mean, I think it controls you more because your vulnerability. Because there's when you're in that situation, yeah, there are some setbacks, but there's so much more to gain. When That's you're in that fair. Situation let your ego yep. power you and propel you to success. There's yep. so much more to gain. As That's a fair to point. Sitting, you know, sitting back. Yep, letting it come to you.
0: So I had a kid. Uh, I don't know if I've told this story on here, but this was not long ago. This was, uh, a month and a half ago. I had this kid, uh, he's, he plays defense and I said, listen, I don't want you ever be one-on-one with anybody. There should always be two to one in, in soccer, right? You should always be able to, to have somebody behind him, somebody in front of him cut off the pass to him or cut him off at an angle. Right. Uh, similar to, uh, you know, in, in secondary, you got a high, low situation for a receiver, but, uh, it's a similar situation, and I said, "Listen, I don't want you to be one-on-one with anybody because you're the last man of def- of defense. So you need to be able to cut off anybody. And if anybody gets past you because you're one-on-one, well, then it's just them on the goalie, right? Sure. And so, anyways, uh, he looked at me and he said, uh, "I think, uh, I think if that ever happens, I'll be good." And I said, "Okay." And I just let it. I let it be. The next game, there are three goals. All of which he was the last man of defense and did not do what he needed to do as that last man of defense. Uh, one, he got beat one on one and pulled him down in the box, gave him a penalty kick. And the other two, he was the last person in front of the shooter and decided to sit back, hoping, I guess, hoping he wouldn't shoot. Yeah. And they shot and they were, I mean, they were beautiful shots. We're talking side net, upper 90, corner, (laughs) beautiful shots. And, uh, but when somebody in soccer who is a an attacker has the time to take a shot, they're generally pretty good at it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, there's only one dude, and it's 24 feet wide. Unless he's gigantic, like super wide or really tall, he, you're probably going to get some scores on him, right? I mean, they have to choose basically 12 feet of that goal to, yeah. just, to, to, to dive into. And so if you choose wrong, number one, it's like it's just an easy goal. It's like a penalty kick. They mm-hmm. dive the wrong way, the whole other half of the goal is open. Um, but it's all that same stuff. So I took him off at halftime. I said, Hey, remember that thing you told me yesterday? Where if you were one on one, you're now 0 for three. Like <laughs> I'm I'm gonna need for you to understand that right. you you can't do this on your own. Mm-hmm. Right. And so uh, you know, he didn't he felt really bad about about all that. And at the end of the game, I had a little ego check because uh, I wasn't sure if the first one was him or not and so I said listen I I apologize for telling you you were three you were over three I don't think that first one was you I went back on the film the first one was him and uh, and listen in in every sport there is countless things that happen that cause the other team to be successful Mm -hmm. that you do as your team Um, offensive line um if the other team has uh, gets an interception, uh, what if they let somebody through, rush the quarterback? Now he's thrown to a different spot, right? There's always some, and that's the reason why you break things down, especially in football, because there are so many different positions that have such a pivotal importance in a singular play that uh, one person probably could not analyze all of them effectively enough and then also communicate to all, all the different factions of the team. Well, it's the same basic thing in soccer, except we generally only have one coach, so we have to watch the film, pause it, look at this, watch the film, pause it, look at this, watch the film, pause it, look at this, okay, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, and this started back on their goal line. So how did he get this pass without any defense? How did he get this pass without any defense? And then how did he take this shot? So there was at least four or five people in the progression of a play that could have prevented the shot at the mm-hmm. end, right? Anyways, so I was like, "Listen, I just need for you to, I need for you to understand that that what I what I tell you has merit." Sure, you know. And so, anyways, uh, after that, we had the con- conversation of humility. Like, where, do, what does humility have to do with soccer? Last year, I had kids write about leadership uh, characteristics. All my seniors, before they could try out, they had to write eight pages, one a week, about a leadership characteristic. Humility was one of them. I said, I'm not going to let you try out if you don't write these papers because that's how important the senior player is on a team. Sure. They're the leader from within. And so anyways, um, one kid, his very first line was, I don't know what humility has to do with anything in soccer. And so I said... Right. So... He actually ended up being one of my one of my better players, and so I uh, at that time the very next day after I read it, I put on the board uh, practice. Um, you should always be practicing like the team you're playing is better than you mm-hmm. every single practice. Sure, it doesn't matter if they're 0 and twelve or if they're twelve and o. It doesn't matter their record. You should be practicing like they are good enough to beat you, or just way better. Otherwise, you're going to go into practice, Mm -hmm. lackadaisical, thinking that you're, you know. Better. That's right. Thinking that you are going to win before the game even happens. Yeah. And so that's one of my biggest things to to anybody. Soccer is such a fluid game that if you take anybody lightly, somebody can come up and bite you. Sure. So we played Lakeview two games ago, and um, it was our senior night. And so I'm rolling all my seniors in, making sure they play. Uh, making sure they can contribute in some way, try to have a game that they could be proud of or whatever. And uh, a couple of my starting seniors was like, you know, talking about a plan. Like, let's. well, I think the, the normal seniors who start should be starting. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. And uh, and then we should put a couple goals on them first so we can kind of get relaxed, comfortable, whatever. 0-0 at halftime. Ten minutes into the second half, they score first. And it's the, and Lakeview's the last place team in the district, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting back and I just, I mean, I I came up out of my shoes. Are you happy now? Yeah. Are you ready to play now? Thirty minutes left in the game. I got loud, and I, of course, I didn't want a red line here, but uh, it, at, at, you know, at Roulette, there's nothing behind it, so echo doesn't exist, right? People at the wet zone could have clearly heard what I was saying, yes. right? And so, anyways. Uh, they came back and tied it up and scored another one and and we won the game two to one, but I'm sitting back thinking, one mentality of we got this 100 percent, and I told him like let's here's what I want, but it's not guaranteed. None of this stuff sure. is guaranteed. If if y'all go into this game thinking it's automatic, it's not going to be automatic. And so, anyways, uh, you know, they ended up winning, but I, I went back to him at the end of the game. I was like, hey that didn't work out the way we wanted it did it right i mean it it did but in a way different way so you have to go into game thinking number one practice like you've never won and then play like you've never lost i saw that on instagram one day from a professional soccer team's post or whatever i thought it was genius Mm -hmm. uh if, if you're always practicing like you never won you're gonna you're practicing so that maybe you can the next time you play right right and if you play like you never lost well it's because you're playing like your balls are on fire Mm -hmm. you know and and nobody can nobody can touch you sure anyway so uh, i got some i got 15 signs here that your ego is in control number one you feel unfulfilled and search for the next thing that will make you feel good you gossip frequently you feel wronged you have uh when you excuse me when you feel wrong you have trouble letting go uh if it's not vindicated You compare yourself to others. You feel unhappy about people's successes. Stop me if y'all want to contribute to anything. You blame other people or outside circumstances when things go wrong. You complain about situations and people. You're unable to let go of the past. You're always waiting for something in the future to happen. You fear there is never enough. You feel anxiety, stress, resentlessness uh, I'm sorry, restlessness. This is this is when your dyslexia kicks in. (laughs) Boredom and unease. Uh, number 12, you enhance your sense of self through objects. Number 13, you make yourself a victim or a hero. That's one of the biggest ones in my opinion. Uh, number 14, you often use the word I or me or mine or my. That one's, that one's neither here nor there in my opinion. Number 15, your identity is intertwined with roles and labels. So that goes to the OC, head coach mentality. Uh, especially when there's a coaching staff, right? Um, In soccer, I had had a coach that told me, uh, we we talked about, well, I'll just call him out. It was a sexy coach. (laughs) Uh, We were talking about the game Friday, and uh, they had already had District 1. If we won the game, we would have tied District and had been co-champs. And I'm sitting back thinking, we have to beat you by five to get first place in playoffs. Okay. That's not realistic in boys soccer. I mean, it is, but it's very, very rare. You have to be playing a terrible team. Well, if you're playing the best team in the district, record-wise, probably it's not going to happen. Unrealistic. No. So, anyways, I'm sitting back thinking, I'm not specifically playing to beat you five to nothing. I'm not doing that. I got a playoff game coming up that we're guaranteed to have. We're in the playoffs, so I'm I'm not playing my starters. If I do, it's it's five minutes for a rest for somebody else, mm-hmm. and so, anyways, he said, "Yeah, remember two years ago, uh, both us, both of us played our starters fifteen minutes, then we then we rolled everybody else in," and I said, "Yeah," and uh, and so I told him, I was like, "Listen, I've already talked to my seniors; they're good with it, uh, they're on board. I feel like they, you know, kind of bought into the mm-hmm. situation." He said, "I don't care what my players think; I'm the coach, and that's how it goes." Wow, <laughs> and I was like. Okay, cool. You get, you do you, bud. You do you. And so anyways, uh, that was another potential lead-in to why Ego even came up for a potential conversation mm-hmm. today was because that was 100%, in my opinion, completely egotistical in the way that he approached it. I understand it because they're teenagers. They don't know what's best for them. But I'm sitting back thinking they're not gonna buy into anything you're spitting if if you just if you're just pushing that the whole time right right that's how that's when kids quit that's when uh, that's when dissent happens whenever that is like a, a major theme in the locker room it's coach's way or no way or whatever well it is but the kids should know that they don't need to be told that you know what I'm saying they shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to come in saying I'm the, this is the way I'm going no, they should be coming in knowing whose program it is, what we're going to do. But at the same time, I feel like a coach has to give some ownership to the team, to the players. Like uh, when, we talked about, when we talked about play this year, right, uh, if there were any limitations, the players have to understand those limitations of themselves, and they have to own what they are capable of. It's the same, in, in my opinion, it's the same in every sport. If all you do is say, this is how we're doing it, this is how we're doing it, this is how we're doing it, and deal with
2: it, to me, your ego's in control. But I think the kids should, I, I know nothing about coaching um, other than Little League Baseball. I mean, that's well, that's, that's about it. that's totally different.
0: Oh, yeah. I, but it. at that point in time, you have to whip them into shape sure. in some capacity.
2: But I think that the kids should, or the athletes, should trust you enough. Uh-huh. To where that if you say this is what's going to happen, yep, that they know that's what's best for the team. Absolutely, I now, agree with that. Now I know I know it's different now mm-hmm. um, than whenever I was playing sports or when you were playing sports or even when you were playing sports um, that it was more of a team effort. Yeah, and I know now it's more of a individual. Oh. It's an individual effort, but they all go out there as a team. Yeah, I mean, is that? Yeah, there's do, more air quotes. I, there's I more air speak quotes in Fairly athletics. for that. Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and get mine. Yep. You know uh, the highlight Social reel. Social media. Yeah, the highlight reel. miles Put it on Twitter. from. Yep. Yep. Ruby miles from Friday Night Lights. You know, I'm gonna get mine and. Yep. Nobody's absolutely. Stop me. Okay. So uh, maybe now that the coaches have to, you know, basically say, "Well, it's my program. This is the way I'm gonna make it." Mm-hmm. And you have to carry that clout about you. Yeah. In order to maybe get the overall team effort. Yeah. Um
0: so so this is so I talked to y'all about what what that chapter was uh, or what that that theme was that dichotomy there mm-hmm. own it all but empower others. Mm-hmm. Uh so once I heard that I thought it was genius. I had my kids run a practice. I I gave one kid yeah. the whistle. Next Monday I gave him a few days so he could prep it come up with three drills. Each drill will be run 20 minutes. If you want to progress, you can progress. Whatever you want to do. And I'll be on the sideline, or not on the sideline, but I'll be in the midst helping you run the practice. Mm-hmm. The the attitude in the locker room completely changed. For the better? Yes. they. Um, after we lost to North Garland in the second game of district, I started implementing that. We didn't lose uh, well, we lost in a shootout the next game because that that previous loss was pretty fresh, and then after that we didn't lose a game, and then COVID hit, and we sure. had to shut down. Uh, but the attitude in um, in what they did and how they went about it was was so much less figuring out why I'm doing what I'm doing, and now figuring out why they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So it took – because on the field, I have such little impact during the game, right? You call the play – especially in football, coaches call the plays. Players have to execute the plays. If you can't get out there and hold their hand and say, okay, this guy is going to rush. Sure. Right? Y'all do that in the first game, in the first little scrimmage, just to make sure they're seeing the scheme mm-hmm. and make sure they understand things to look for. Y'all do that in practice every day. Or whatever, Uh, but when it comes to Friday Night Lights, when it comes to game time, when it comes to either you're either going to do it successfully or you're not. It's almost completely all on the kids. Yeah, you know they they take uh, the coaches take whatever stimuli from the other team and use that to make judgments to make the plays or call the plays that they're going to run. But it doesn't matter what the other team looks like. If you don't execute the play, y'all are not going to do well, at least in that play, mm-hmm. right? It, one play n- rarely ever determines the entire game. But, uh, but my point is is that, is that they have to know that whenever they get out there, they're going to be trusted with doing what they can do. You know, they have to, and they have to also be on board with it as well. So anyways, there's just a whole lot of things. Once I did that, the entire attitude changed. Now, the issues I was facing last year, I had 15 seniors. None of them wanted the previous head coach to retire. He had been there for 22 years. Mm. I take over. I'd been there for 10, but on the JV capacity. Uh, so I have a bunch of seniors that know everything, that uh, – um want to run it their way, mm-hmm. and want to pretty much not have to listen to me. Right. So that's where my back was last year, just completely up against a wall, coming into a locker room, which I'm sure is a very similar place to any uh, any head coach that takes over a new position, right? He's got those same things to deal with, and he's got to figure out the best way to reach the kids or reach the players and make sure they they play to their full capabilities. And so anyways, so I talked to my brother after our San Antonio tournament when we lost to a 4A team, three to nothing, who only had 12 players or something. Oh, wow. We had 25 on the bench, 25 total, right? A full-dressed full uniform set of players out there ready to go. I think I maybe even had 26, 27 jersey out there on somebody. And so we had plenty of fresh legs, It was the fourth game of a tournament. It was an extra game. And this team came in and just whooped us. And two of my seniors, best players, two of my best players on the team started fighting with each other, not physically, but just arguing and barking Mm -hmm. and everything. And uh, this was the sign that they weren't listening to me. I said, listen, I don't want you on the bench. Y'all stay over here. We went down by the bleachers or whatever during halftime. And I talked to him, I said, y'all y'all do not belong on the bench, y'all stay over here. If y'all figure something out, I guess y'all can come back. 20 seconds later, they're walking back to the bench. There's no way they figured anything out based right. on what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so that was when I was like, okay, you guys really aren't listening to me very much. So I called, our, my brother calls, he He doesn't call me a lot, but he calls me, hey man, what's going on? Oh, nothing, you know, dealing with soccer stuff. And I told him kind of the situation, he's like, well, what are you doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to manage it. He's like, well, clearly it's not working. Right they're they're clearly not responding to you the way that, that you want them to, so you got to change something. And so he pointed me in the direction of this book, and I started listening to this book and I started implementing a little little strategies here and there. When I got to that point where it said to own everything and empower others, I was like, all right, hey, you got practice on Monday um, up until the scrimmage that we will do at the end of practice, You got the drills, you run them. If you need any help, I'm here to help you. Uh, once I did that, completely changed everything that they were doing because it, it was a psychological change mm-hmm. like now they had to they had to think about it from a coach's perspective they had to think about how do I get 25 26 kids to do what I want them to do how do I get them to work together how do I get this drill done properly to where we actually build some skill or whatever and it was it was absolute gold that that mm-hmm. that 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 the book gave me the idea mm-hmm. right and that when the idea was implemented, they actually, like, took to it. Mm-hmm. And so it was great. And the one the biggest thing I hate is, is that the shutdown happened. We had two games left in district. I'm not going to say we were guaranteed district, but we were guaranteed playoffs. And this team was excellent. And they got cut short. And I hate it for them. You know, seniors should never have to go through a situation where they can't play the sport they've been playing for 18 years. Sure. Because of... Stuff we've talked about, about COVID and all this other stuff that should have never shut anything down. But uh, but anyways, it happened. But the locker room, the the mindset changed. The other thing I did was I sat down. I was like, okay, I did this in, in a fraternity. They, we had this thing called, we had a stump, a tree stump. And I forget what it was called, and I'll probably get crucified if I say actually what it's called, if I figure it out. But this guy sat on a stump, and everybody got to talk to him. and In a circle. I said, uh, all right, so everybody, person on the stump, you have to listen to everybody who's talking. Uh, I'm sorry, the person on the stump, you talk to everybody. You tell them what you think of them, positive and negative. Nobody else can talk. Everybody else got to listen. I said, you got to give them a compliment and you got to give them some constructive criticism, something Mm -hmm. to correct. And that was the second thing that I did that changed the environment, right? It went from clicks to Less clicks, right? I mean, there's sure. still clicks existed, but, but they they made sure that they heard everybody. They made sure that that they gave that they had input that they could give all this other stuff. So they were able to own the conversation. They were able to uh, to be, I don't know, completely invested at, at least for an hour or whatever yep. it was. Anyways, so just little things that I do that once I once I started thinking about ego. It controls everything until you get control over it. There's nothing about your ego that is good unless it's used for what you said, Using it for the positive, right? Wanting to have your ego such that it's it's confidence and not arrogance, Mm -hmm. right? Because there's a gigantic difference between being confident and being arrogant. Confidence, you generally can see... Confidence on somebody Arrogance you typically hear Mm -hmm. From somebody if that makes sense Um, Ego is Ego has it's place Everybody Everybody has the ability To use ego for the better Everybody does But are you Is it controlling you Or are you controlling it Mm
2: -hmm. What is some ego that you've seen In your job Oh well, I mean it's it's nothing but a bunch of type A personality people, right? Which everybody is the alpha, alpha male, alpha female. I'm the best that's ever been mm-hmm. type thing. No, are you are, talking about people you work with? No, just in the in the profession. Okay,
0: so what, the people you are involved with, whether it's work or
2: whether it's a call, anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But um, there are there are times to where that you've, you you. Well, there's times that you find people that are not that way. Yeah. And they look at other people and they're like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. um, there's, there's a really great way that, that, uh, that we have broke it down. We went to a class and it, he breaks it down into a hundred percent, right? There's the 10% of the people that are, I'm the best that's ever been. Yep. Right. There's the 80% of the people that it's like, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. I'm not really great at that, but I can at least do it, perform, right? yeah, and then there's the ten percent of the people that are down at the very, very bottom, and they call those like the blood suckers because they just suck the life out of everything. Because everybody around them sucks, and this place sucks, and uh-huh. you know I can't believe that I'm still here because they didn't give me this promotion ten years ago, and I should have done this, and I should have transferred here, and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. So they just. Wait for you in the halls to just whisper all these nasty little things about right. what's going on. So I mean, it's it's probably like that in any profession that there is absolutely, oh for sure, no matter what. Sure. You know, yeah. I can't believe that this program didn't promote me to head coach ten years ago because this guy sucks and he shouldn't have been there. Yeah, you know, if I would have, you know, if I would have been able to call this play, we would have won state six years ago. However, <laughs> right. it goes, you know, um, if Nelly would have caught that fly ball, we would have had a World Series for right. the yep. Rangers. So I mean. <laughs> There's always those, those personalities there. And, and, you know, there was a guy when I first started in in, with my department that I, to this day, I can, I, I just cannot stand. Right. Um, it actually came, it almost came fisticuffs on duty behind a restaurant. Nice. Because I just had enough. Yeah. And of course, you know, he told me, meet me here and we're going to talk about it. And I was like, okay. Okay. And, um, uh, you know, I I said some some terrible things um that I do not regret to this day. Uh, <laughs>
3: but uh make no mistake, this is not yeah, an apology. This is not an apology, <laughs> ladies no, and gentlemen. No.
2: But I told him, you know, I basically said he said, What the first thing that happened, what is your problem? Yeah. And I told him, I said, My problem is uh and again, this is the nice way to say it, nobody likes you and nobody wants to work with you. Yeah. Um And, you know, of course, then it started going downhill and uh, and all that stuff. And then the sergeant pulled up and said, you figure it out or you're riding together for the rest of the night. Nice. And I said, then I'm going home sick. And he said, not today. (laughs) But, um, so there's, there are those people, you know, within departments. Yeah. There's, there's people like that everywhere. Um, but we have a really good way of controlling that. Yeah. If that makes sense. Um, if we have something big that goes down, like, let's just say um, uh, a, a really stressful call. I mean, I, okay. I, a murder-suicide. Okay. okay. Um, if you have that, then we have a debrief afterwards. Okay. And we have to tell each other what each other did wrong. Yeah. Like, I have to tell you, you should have covered that door. Yeah. And you didn't. And that guy could have come out, even though he wasn't able to. He could have come out, and he could have come up behind me. You were supposed to watch the window, and you didn't watch the window. And then they go, "Well, you were yeah. supposed," to, you know. So it's like you let it all out, right? And then you come back and you say, "But the air's clear, though. It's yeah. done, right? It's done." And the ego
0: has been put in check. Yes, everybody by knows where everybody. Yeah, right. and right. then everybody,
2: and then at the very end, because you always say we always do the bad stuff first. Yeah everybody what you did wrong first yeah and then you end on the positive stuff sure you ended on a positive note um and then they say you know you did a great job doing this you know you, you kicked the door in you know you threw a fire you know whatever you, right. y'all did that great you let the couch on fire that's awesome <laughs> we all clapped and sang right. you know i mean things like that it's it's like that <laughs> right. that's what we do to to kind of get it to go through and yeah. you know
0: it's like leveling the playing field yeah
2: and it probably doesn't matter their rank it doesn't, yeah. It, I mean, because we had one uh, before I got promoted. Uh, I was there, and uh, I, I was a normal, normal person. Yeah, I was, a no- I was, but I was the first one there, so it's mine, right? Like I own that. Well, then the Sergeant showed up, and it was, I mean, smooth. I mean, it couldn't have been more perfect. Yeah, and then the other, the sergeant pulled up took it away from me and it went all like everything that I had planned yeah went downhill you know I'm up here doing this and he's down here and he goes basically around me yeah and so it it people still razz me for that sure because they know now that I'm the one that's in charge that if you're there yeah I go what do you need yeah what are you gonna do Cool, let's do that. Yeah. And then I stand back there with you and I'm like, okay, so let's do this. Have you thought about this?
0: So Can you're we, in charge, you own it all, but I you very, ask them what
2: they need. I very much breed into what you're talking about. Yeah. That that there's you own it. Yeah. But everybody else gets credit for it. I yeah. don't want credit for anything. Right. I want my Like if somebody's to gonna give
0: you credit, they're gonna give you credit. Yes. Right. That was the thing I talked about in the Super Bowl when uh Bruce Arians, whenever he was told how well, how good of a job he did to get them to the Super Bowl, his response was, "I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Y'all, the players did it. The coach, mm-hmm. the the all the other coaches, the position coaches, whatever. Y'all are what made this what it is. I I simply put the puzzle on the on the coffee table. Yeah, y'all put it together. You know what I mean? Uh, but I mean that's that has to happen in order for things to be successful." there's obviously ex- there's obviously exceptions to that rule I think if you put uh, like if we if we're talking sports if you put the best seven eight players on a team they're gonna just win a win a championship it may not be the first one because they may have to have all these egos in check sure but who's going to stop that right but that's not a real that's not a real situation it is from the standpoint of the Olympics right the dream team whenever that was put together uh, who was stopping them right? Do you think they had some ego that they had to uh, uh, accommodate at the beginning of that whole yes. O- Olympic? Yes, absolutely. But once they all kind of came together, like hey, this, is, this is for the gold medal, this is for the United States, yeah. this is not for the Bulls, this is not for the Jazz, this is not for whomever, mm-hmm.
2: they rolled everybody. Well, look at Shaq and Kobe. Perfect right. example of that too, right? Absolutely. Shaq wouldn't work out on the postseason, right? And he'd come in all fat and out of shape, yep. right? And he would show up like it was his team. Yep. And Kobe would tell him, this is not your team anymore. This is my team. Yeah. And there was that constant back and forth struggle. Yep. Of, you know, who's going to be who. And then finally they figured it out. Yeah. and
0: well, But even still, well, yeah, they figured it out and they won the championship. I think they, how many times, Them four times? Three four times? Just I, them two? I think so. Something, something ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but the first one was won probably when they were still fighting. Yeah. I mean, still trying to figure out mm-hmm. who's who. Or whatever, and so and that's just kind of my thing: is that there there are going to be extenuating circumstances where ego has very little to do with success, just because of the nature of of the of the composition.
3: Other side of the coin, you got Jerry Jones and Jimmy Johnson. Oh man, the ego that that stopped cost the Cowboys from being one of the most historic teams in the league. So yes, better.
0: right. And and then uh, and then you have you have the Barry Switzer thing that happened that he had nothing to do, absolutely nothing to do with. That was all Jimmy Johnson's
2: doing. I heard him say that out of his own mouth. Right. Really? Right. So he said, Jimmy Johnson set this all up. I was Uh, just here. He said I could
3: have came in there because I worked for a guy that played for him at OU. Okay. So we went up to a camp and we're sitting in his office and he's like, I could have not showed up. Like The team would have ran itself. Yep. I just had to get him on the bus, get him there on Sundays and not let it – that's much, amazing i'm paraphrasing but yeah not sure dive off a cliff yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah. yeah you know he said jimmy built that where it was built it was bulletproof yeah. fail a few absolutely
0: and that's 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 kind of my point like there are gonna be situations where it doesn't matter whose egos involved in any way shape like jerry jones his was 100 percent his ego in 95 right. right he got rid of jimmy in the end of 94 or whatever, brought in Barry Switzer. Oh, this is now my team because I chose a new coach. Sure. Or whatever, and they won. Uh-huh. Well, all that did was fuel Jerry's ego. Right. But it had nothing to do with ego.
3: 26 years later, hadn't been to an NFC championship. I was about to say. <laughs> right. Uh, uh-huh.
0: Couldn't get out of the first game of playoffs, regardless of where that was, wild card or, or division series. Mm-hmm. I mean – it has nothing, that 95 had nothing to do with ego from the standpoint of it was a beautifully constructed team. Sure. So, uh, I was kind of go- going, want to go back to what you said about the tw- 10, 80, or 10, 80, 10% of people. Where is ego in that range? To me, it's at the, both the top and the bottom. Oh, a hundred percent. And you have a hard time dealing with the top 10% a lot of times because yes. they're always Right they're always barking orders or they're always barking mm-hmm. at somebody because they're doing something wrong. Uh, they don't ever mess up, et cetera. And the bottom 10 is always playing. The victim is always finding reasons why, um, mm-hmm. uh, they don't need to be doing something or whatever, because they're above that or whatever. It's th- those blood suckers that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, people aren't blood suckers without being egotistical like right. thinking that like trying to in some way think that they're like above the menial or above a certain mm-hmm. thing it's all egotistical so those 80% you know at the top of the 80% the bottom of the 80 there's some there's some crossover mm-hmm. but for the majority of that 80% those are the people that, that have ego it affects them at times or it it really helps in the situation mm-hmm. like they they know how to check it they know how to to operate sure. within the confines mm-hmm. of maybe having some ego or whatever mm-hmm maybe right down the center is the people who's who claim not to have much of an ego at all what do you what do you need how can I help you right. what can I the servant type of mentality where it's uh you know they're trying to help everybody around them mm-hmm. uh, they put themselves second uh, you' sure. you're probably bringing in a lot of the religious type people in that you know thinking of of, of a higher calling in some way I'm not saying that there's a ton of that
2: in where well, you're at, but I mean, you would you would be you'd be surprised. I mean, there's always that saying: is is if you don't know if you don't know God, you'll know Him when you're calling for Him. That's fair. Yeah. That's um, fair. But there's, uh, in, it, I can just speak on my personal experiences. I, I don't I don't care. I, I want somebody. I want to help somebody to get to to where I'm at. Yeah, I want to help, and if they get past me, then they get past me. Right. You know, that's that's cool. I mean, you, you did better than me. Right. Um, but I have no problems helping you get to where I'm at. Yeah. If you want to become a sergeant or you want to become a lieutenant or you want to right. do that, you know, whatever, I will help you in any way, shape or form. Right. But that, that goes straight into the, the servant leadership that yeah. you're talking about. And you know, when I was in college, that's all I learned was servant leadership. I had to take, I don't know how many classes on servant leadership, <laughs> you know, and that's that's DBU kicking in for you right there. You yeah. Know? Um, we had to read books failing forward. How how to. How many times did you take each class? Because you did tell us about. Academic probation. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. I was limited to only 12 and a half uh, hours per semester. Nice. Uh, and I had to take foundations twice. Yeah. And I had to take something else. Like three times did you
0: end up with your degree out of that? Oh I did
2: nice, but it was only because uh the vice the vice president threatened to kick me out and uh. kind of lit a fire under my butt. Oh good, told me that if I didn't start picking up, I was going to get kicked out. right, and you wanted to not do that well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, my, I mean my mom worked there too so. ah, so you had a little bit of a external well, yeah, it was free it's yeah like
0: why take why take advantage? like how can I take advantage of something <laughs> that's free like this and then completely
2: screw the pooch? Well, I, well, but I was making money. I had a job on yeah. campus, and I was making money, so I was they were basically paying me to go to school. Oh, yeah, if that makes sense. How
0: can you not do that? Yeah,
2: but I just didn't. like I was so stupid. I would sign up for all these morning classes and I'm like, yes, I'm gonna go to class in the morning and then I'm gonna work in the afternoons, and it's all gonna be great. Nope. Mm-mm. nope. <laughs> There was uh, a little extra sleep happened every now and then or most most now and then. Especially when the teachers call you and say, why were you not in class today? And you go, "Mm, because I didn't want to be in (laughs) class today. (laughs) I'm a grown man now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But, you know.
0: um, Speaking of ego. Yeah. It's never higher than whenever you first learn that you have 100% control of yourself and And you can do what you want to do. Nobody makes you go to class.
2: Yeah. It's awesome. Yep. But servant leadership is really big to me. Yeah. Um, I, I I can't preach that enough. I mean, my- well,
0: and I guess my reason for even suggesting like the the religious mindset is just because ego being in control of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposite of that is humility. Yes, ultimately, um, can you set yourself back and re- understand the importance of what's around you, mm-hmm. not how important you are to the situation? Yeah, you know, and so uh, that those middle. Of that spectrum, people that you're talking about are probably the ones that exercise humility the most. Yes. And humility's first question is, how can I help?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Blank dot dot dot. Fill in the blank. How can I help mm-hmm. you? How can I help the situation? Yeah. How can I be of service? You know. Mm-hmm. Um. That's one of the first questions that you have for humility, and that's that's signs that your ego is in control by you, yeah, not of you. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyways, uh, but listen, a couple guys who are not egotistical, a couple of guys who will take care of everything that you need in terms of a home. Do you have a home you need to sell in a hurry? You're looking to move out, move on. But this house you have has you stuck repairs. You can't afford to take on maybe a recent life change that requires some asset liquidation or an inherited property. You just need to sell. Give the Home Buying Guys, Lance and Adam, a call at 972-521-1817. I was in a situation where home repairs were much needed, along with a dramatic change in the family unit, and I needed to get out of my house. Lance from the Home Buying Guys gave me a call after my inquiries of selling my home fast, and within 24 hours, they came to my house, gave me a proposal that was everything I needed to be able to sell my home. They take care of all the hard work and make sure they give you a fair comprehensive estimate for your property. They're the most straightforward and honest and hardworking guys you'll meet and they will tell you if it would be better to make the deal with them or go through the realtor and traditional home buying process based on their evaluation. Don't wait if you're in the market to sell and it needs to happen quickly. Call Lance and Adam, the home buying guys, at 972-521-1817 today. Yeah, guys, if you are in any need to do anything with your home, whether it's whether it's fix it up, whether it's sell it, uh, whether it's just get rid of it, give those guys a call, they'll make sure that they take care of you in every aspect that they can, or they will guide you to where you need to go that would best help you. Guys that do not let ego control their business or their relationship with any of their customers or potential customers. Uh, just kind of as we're closing here, uh, I was watching, so the reason why Rocky at the beginning was, was in there was because I knew we were doing this episode I was watching it yesterday. I saw it and I was like this is an exa- ex like a perfect example of how ego can affect somebody directly in their life and how their life goes and what ends up happening. So at the beginning you heard Rocky talking about like saying where were you 10 years ago? Why are you just now coming into my life? oh because there's a big fight okay you just want to be the beneficiary of being in the right place at the right time type of, like that's the the mentality that he was at and he was just he was shucking one of the best potential influences in his life his his trainer Mickey and so uh, so he's yelling at him as he's walking out of the house and then at the end of that scene Mickeys like halfway down the street and you see Rocky coming down out of the stairs. He yells, he gets all of his rage, he vents completely, you know, he comes down out of his apartment complex and chases Mickey down the street, catches up to him, and you don't hear what he says, but they shake hands at the end of the thing, and then Mickey's his manager for for the boxing match, Mm -hmm. uh, and the training sessions that led up to that. And so, what you saw there was you saw an intense amount of ego from Rocky, you know, I don't need your help, you're here. Now you're you're just kind of like suckling at the teat of, of 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 opportunity, right? And he kind of comes to grips with, you know, this guy was right. I do need a manager. I need some help. He wasn't there before, but you know, what he probably. I mean, in that in the in a reality situation, what's going through your mind is, have I did I do everything in those first ten years to get here or did I just now start doing it Right. so why would he be in my why would he be here 10 years ago you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so there's something that he probably came through uh, if you're talking a real parallel to that type of situation but he runs out shake hands he's his manager and then the relationship is, is pretty great from from all the way up until in, in Rocky 3 mm-hmm. whenever Mickey's no longer in the show but uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you how or why he's not in the show. I'm not gonna spoil it for, for you, just in case you haven't seen the Rockies back in the '70s and '80s. <laughs> but, uh, but anyways, uh, it was an exact. It was an ex, uh, an excellent example of how someone appropriately wrangles their ego, how they appropriately deal with it when it hits. Right, you get this vent in. You you start praising everything that you've done. You start. Uh, bashing everything that people around you didn't do to help you or to, to be by your side or anything like that. And then you come to the, some realization that I can't do this on my own. Right? I need, I need help in some way, shape or form, which again is probably circle back. You can call me Jin sock if you want to, uh, to, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to thoughts on therapy. Right. Right. You can't do everything on your own. And therapy is the reason. The reason for therapy is because of that realization right there. Mm-hmm. Somebody realized they needed somebody else's help. They needed to vent. They needed to talk. They needed a perspective that was organic or that was impartial mm-hmm. or whatever, depending on the type of therapy. So movies. I want you all to think of some movies or potential characters in movies where ego like, either did a 180 Right? You could see there was a, a complete change. They were completely egotistical, and then they became humbled in some way, or they became confident. Right, They were arrogant, became confident. Or where well, they were humbled at the beginning, they were generally always really humble, and then they became super arrogant because of how the show went. I'll start. Remember the Titans. Oh, yeah. Uh, both sides of the mm-hmm. story. Remember the Titans was 100%. It's all about me. I'm going to get mine. And then the story ends. I mean, the true story. I don't I don't think they, they actually won the state championship, uh, the real story that year. But I think they got there. Right. Uh, but uh, the one defensive end, both the defensive ends, they were talking. Uh, the one says, team? What team? I'm going to get mine. Mm-hmm. And and that's just and I forget the, the phrases, and then uh, the other guy's like, "That's a terrible way to go about this." Sure, right? And this was at the end of the uh, of the Gettysburg uh, trip, right? They're they're at the end of it, and uh, and then so he says, uh, at, "He, he this is when he talks about attitude reflects leadership," right? Okay, right. So, anyways, uh, but everybody it, at the at the height of of what desegregation or whatever in athletics, it's all about me. It's all about me until they came together. And it was, I mean, I think that movie like excellently portrayed those mentalities Mm -hmm. and, and how, how to come together for a common goal. Sure. You know, and that, I mean, it doesn't have to be black, white for that to be the case. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean listen like, like I told you last year I had 15 seniors that knew everything and I had 10 underclassmen that were like coach this is your team right? and now they're seniors so whenever I pl- employed the same strategies this year that happened last year they're like yeah. coach this is your team you do what you want uh-huh. and I was like okay I get that y'all are gonna have some input though <laughs> so I'm like I'm telling them how it's going to be that they're going to have some input Sure. last year I was like well, what do what can y'all give? That's gonna you know. I, yeah. it's the same message, but it, I had to approach it two different ways. Mm-hmm. But you had you had half of the team that knew everything, knew all the right moves, and the other half of the team that was willing to to try what yeah. was ever instituted. And I mean, it was oil and water. It was sure. tough. It was tough until, like I said, once once they started to take some ownership, they they did really yeah. really well. But uh, but anyways, movies characters.
2: Uh I had to google it. That's so fine. I'm I'm sorry. I, I got Google on my phone right now ready to go to. <laughs> well, you know. Just in case. But yeah. it's uh Facing Giants. You seen Facing Giants, right? No. Okay, so it's it's basically about like a high school team that they're terrible. And they've got a they've got a few decent players, but there's a there's a captain on the team and he and basically anything that the coach says uh is stupid. He has uh-huh. some sort of backhanded comment to say. Yeah. Um he, but he's a He's a big kid on the team. He's a he's a big leader. They mm-hmm. all kind of look to him because he's got that athleticism. So there's a death crawl scene in the movie to where that I don't know, the they basically put a smaller player on a bigger player's back. Okay. And they have to they're holding on to the, oh, the we've shoulder pr- pads. we've probably seen, well, I've that, seen that we've you seen that, that scene. Yeah, yeah, the scene. Okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's the scene that I'm talking about, where he brings him down off of this big pedestal yeah. and basically makes him crawl, you know, fifteen yards five more yards, 10 more yards, whatever right. it is. And then all of a sudden he says, Hey, look up, you're in the end zone. Yeah. Now all these things that you said that we can't do, or you can't do yeah, now you can do it. So it kind of turns his mentality all the way around to where he rallies the team yeah. around him instead of rallying the team away from him and saying, well, this guy has a terrible attitude and we're going to be terrible.
0: Right. Okay.
2: That's a great scene by the way. It is. Uh, Terrible acting
3: But it's a great (laughs) Point
0: (laughs) I actually Employed that scene One time uh, To a kid I was making him Flip tires Yeah And if you've ever Seen a soccer player Try to flip A big tractor tire That's, That's awesome It. Is
3: Like a baseball player Doing a power clean It's pretty funny Oh hey man It's pretty
0: funny <laughs> I see some bad no. technique. Yeah No it's bad I mean it's it's. I mean it's almost like a Cockroach and boot I mean it's oh. It's just One wrong move And he gets squished You know He's, he's, he's tiny Anyways oh, So he was, uh, he was He was He was They were all supposed to flip him Right And he kind of quit And I started yelling Yeah One more One more mm-hmm. You can do it And I had people on the football field like staring down at me. Coach Schaefer was there. I don't know if you were there at the time, but uh, Schaefer was up there looking to see what I was doing. Like,
2: why is he yelling so much? <laughs> and, uh,
0: much? yeah. And it was it was the same basic thing. Uh, worked way better in the movie than in reality, <laughs> just if we're if we're putting some kind of a qualification to it. Uh, but, uh, I was looking at, uh, what movie was I looking at here? Um, Oh, this is where uh, pretty much the the guy's ego took off. He already kind of had the ego because of his intelligence, Mm -hmm. and it just skyrocketed into oblivion. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg in the social network. Oh, yeah. Uh, Obviously not Mark Zuckerberg, but I I imagine it probably wasn't far off from from how he is. Uh, But the way that that he was portrayed, you know, he knew everything. He knew all the little techniques. All the little technical stuff. He knew all those things that would get what he wanted to get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he like you know the way he took advantage of the of the people that were helping him and the two guy the two twins or whatever that the big lawsuit about yeah. the thing he because it was apparently their idea Facebook was their idea that he just like changed the name of or something. Yeah. Uh, but then once but then once it got to a point where um, credit was being assigned or given it was all him and it wasn't anybody who helped him along the way, mm-hmm. you know? And so you don't want to talk about, uh, you want to talk about, you know, having an ego that completely is in control of you. I would argue that there's probably a ton of, uh, a ton of people of, of affluence that have that same basic characteristic where it's very little is given to the people that actually did do what needed to be done to help them. Sure. You know, because they wouldn't have been there Mm -hmm. without 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 his idea, or without his tech, or whatever. And you can you can probably insert any name into that conversation. You don't have to, you know, throw in Mark Zuckerberg. But uh, anyways, any other uh, any other movies that had just ego full characters that
3: you can think of? Any given Sunday, Willie Beeman started off kind of backup quarterback was so yeah. nervous kept throwing up then we started doing well you couldn't tell him anything to the point where you had the caps on the team threatening to freaking break something over his head you yeah. Know? yeah
0: and how easy is it to just to, to think of sports movies in this because basically every sports movie that is I, I would say that's worth its salt uh, is a story with a move or a movie with a story of how someone overcame something that was holding them back ego was probably one of the major themes, common themes throughout all these baseball movies or uh, sports movies. Excuse me.
2: Yeah. You so, looked directly at me when you said baseball yeah, too.
0: Well, I mean, this is the baseball connection. This is yeah. the football connection, you know?
2: Okay. But, I, how about a series? I'll give you i I'll give you an example for a series yeah. and a, and a good series at that too. Yeah. Um, all of them, all of the Marvel, like Avengers. Okay. Tony Stark, yeah. Iron Man, right? Captain America. Yep. Right. They were together as a team. Tony Stark says, hey, you know, my dad invented all of this stuff. I'm the one that gave you that shield. I'm the one that has this suit, you know, all this stuff. So then they split apart, right? And then there's Civil War. Then they come back together. And then in game, Tony Stark says, you know what? For everybody else, I'm going to sacrifice myself. Yep. (laughs) Goes up. So he throws his ego out the window. I mean, and that's over. Years. Seven movies. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, so that's
0: well. I was gonna say if we're talking if we're just talking movies in general, Tony Stark was the one that came to mind. Yeah, the very first Iron Man. Yeah, I'm Iron Man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's rich, he's billionaire, playboy, blah blah blah. But he yeah. does this one great thing that's that's probably unparalleled. Well, that is unparalleled. Nobody ever replicated it mm-hmm. in such a way that he where it was as effective as what he he did. Uh, he goes to a press conference. He's not supposed to say anything about the the Iron Man weapon or whatever, uh, oh, and yeah. or that it's just a it's like a drone or it's you know it's something. Sure, he's supposed to answer questions nonchalant and and uh, and not really do anything. I am Iron Man and yeah. fu- fully takes credit of it and all yeah. kinds of stuff. And then the second one, it just completely elaborates on that. Yes, right. The third one, uh, the third one is whenever he starts to. Uh, see that, see how much he can do with it, as opposed to how amazing he is. The second Mm -hmm. one's like, how amazing am I? Nobody can replicate me. Yes. The third one is, he's got eighteen thousand suits that he's now made that all have different capabilities. Mm -hmm. Well, because this thing is an amazing capability. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Anyways, uh, but I was gonna say like the the differences, the reason why the clash in civil war is because uh the exact opposite mentality was Captain America. Right. He's that scrawny kid from South Bronx or wherever, yeah. and he goes into this experiment because Super he gets... grateful. Right, absolutely. Uh, he completely gets uh, just shucked off from the, from the military or whatever. I think he goes, but, you know... He's the one that jumps on the grenade and <laughs> yeah. everybody else like bails. Uh huh. And so like, okay, that's the type of guy I need who's going to jump on a grenade so yes. I can live, right? And so he maintained that basic mentality throughout his character. Mm-hmm. Um which and then he has to team up with Tony Stark. Well, Captain America's ego started to play a little role. Yes. Whenever the clashing began mm-hmm. because they were both doing something that each one thought was right, right, right. Uh, what led up to the Civil War uh, part was uh, was Bucky, mm-hmm. the Winter Soldier. Yes, all that stuff, mm-hmm. and so he was trying to protect his friend who was mind altered, yes. or whatever. Yes, and well, Tony Stark is this. I'm just being completely objective. He's he's killed people, mm-hmm. or whatever, and he needs to go to jail. Well. So then the egos there. That's when they clash. That's the reason for the civil war. Mm-hmm. And at the be, you know at the beginning of this little segment here, this little part of the discussion, when you pull the thread of the issue, ninety nine percent of the time it's ego. Yes, you know two egos do not mix whenever they are in control of the people that they're that they're in, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it's in the situation. Anyways. Uh, uh, there was another one. Oh, I was thinking, when you said series, I thought you were going to talk television series. Oh. Uh, so just a family in Game of Thrones. See, okay. The Lannisters.
2: I've only seen like three episodes, my bad.
0: You need to. <laughs> you? No. No? Just no. not your cup of tea? Not no. the Not the medieval stuff?
2: Dude, you don't like dragons? No, I'm not a fan of dragons. <laughs> well, if
0: you, okay, the first uh, seven episodes don't have any dragons. That's true. They were born like, actually they're born like on the season finale. Of episode one or something like that.
3: Oh, really? Something like
0: that. Like whenever... Okay, I'm not gonna tell you because I Cause feel I like watch it. I feel like you had interest so you went three episodes in. Yes, and then I just quit watching. You just needed to go back. You just need just to just start over again. Recap. Now, I wouldn't say... Well, maybe. Well, I might as You well. probably remember. Anyways. Uh, All I remember is the I say the get into it. This, I know if medieval is st- not your stuff, you're not gonna get into it, but it is a great, great episode series. Anyways, the Lannisters are the richest family in the kingdom, and once they get into power, losing power is like they would rather die sure. than lose that power. Um, which, th- that quote from, uh, so it was from a Jocko podcast. Jocko Willink is the name of the guy who wrote the book, Extreme Ownership. He's the one who was, uh, that you heard talking about Ego. Mm-hmm. Right after that, he says, Ego... Someone whose ego is so, so high that it causes problems, or that ego is the the problem is that he's yelling, he's screaming, he's always right. He's willing to lose rather than check his ego, mm-hmm. and in some cases, they're willing to even die than to than to check their own ego. And he's, a, I mean, he's in the navy, navy seal. He's retired now, but he saw that someone was willing to just put their own life in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. For the sake of them being right. Which is clearly the extreme of any conversation that us three are going to have about ego. right? I'd say you're closer just because of the nature of your job. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, you could come to a situation where there's gunfire. Sure. Right? Yeah. So somebody putting their ego in such a high pedestal could cost a life somewhere. Uh, I'd say... In the police force versus in the military, there are different levels, but similar sure, yeah. similarities. Anyways, but for us, somebody willing to lose a game for the sake of their ego is very real, right? And uh, potentially losing a game is losing the season mm-hmm. for somebody, um, and you, you don't get that back, right? Those seniors are graduated. After the season, they don't get to come back and give it a second chance or another chance. Uh, a coach puts his ego in such a place that costs the team a loss. That ends up costing the season. Uh, I mean, how do you come back from that? right? How do you how do you bounce back as a coach from that mentally? Sure, and it's it's checking your ego. Mm-hmm. It has to be, you know what, owning that what I did probably wasn't the best for the situation. I need to go about this a different way. I need help. I need to rely more on other factors Mm -hmm. than just my own wants or desires or whatever. Anyways, uh, so it's, uh, you know, ego plays a role in so many people's lives. I think there's a place for it. I think it's necessary. I don't think it's called ego when it's being used properly. When we're talking confidence, it's called confidence or it's called, uh, you know, feeling sure about the situation. It's uh, feeling good about a situation. It's not generally referred to as ego, but it is, it is ego. It's, it's how you, it's your consciousness Mm -hmm. towards whatever the situation is. It's how you think about it uh, when it directly involves yourself. And so anyways, if you're confident about something that is probably the best possible thing. I tell my kids all the time, I'd rather you be more confident than talented all the time because your confidence is going to cause you to work, to overcome talent yes. right if somebody's talented up against you mm-hmm. your hard work because of how confident you are and how hard you're working is going to
3: overcome that kid's talent plus confidence is built by something's backed by something whenever you're have that same kind of mind frame for no reason like you just expect it to happen or right. we're going to come off the bus or we're going to roll them up no matter what yeah that's where you get in trouble but when you're confident it's usually because hey i know i've checked the boxes yeah this is what i've, I've you know people above me put me in charge of accomplishing I, did, I checked all those boxes during the week I feel good about it Yeah So you should You should go with confidence
0: Absolutely you know. uh, Yeah and, and the other one you're saying Is I'm going to come into it That's That started on Monday When you're playing on Friday mm-hmm. So what happened from Monday to Thursday right. Probably nothing yeah. Of substance Right Because they, were, they saw the opponent on the list And I think that's what happened With Pittsburgh and, and the Cowboys this year Pittsburgh's what seven and zero or something when they played us, and then what's his name almost beat. And there's no reason why at that time Pittsburgh should have almost lost the Cowboys. Right. At the end of the season, it's understood now why Pittsburgh almost lost the Cowboys. Right. They were they were (laughs) complete. Their entire team was just lucky in a lot of scenarios. Absolutely. But seven games in, you don't see that until it you know until they get rolled by them. By the Browns, sure. Uh, who first time in playoffs in how many years? I mean, a lot, a lot. A lot of years. So, anyways, uh, but yeah, that mentality. You know, they saw the Cowboys on their schedule. They saw they were like one or two and six or something like mm-hmm. that, and they're thinking, "Oh, we got this, no problem. We're seven and zero. We're eight and zero. We got this, no problem." And then it comes down to the final drive or last couple drives to yeah. to sh- to feel sure about the win. Right. That they felt so sure about on Monday, most likely. Oh, absolutely. So, anyways, but that's the thing is that the substance of confidence is a daily work. Mm -hmm. It generally is. I've put in everything, like you said, checked the boxes, made sure that I'm in the best place or we're in the best place to perform our best Mm -hmm. and get the best possible result. Right. That's not always going to be a win.
3: No.
0: The other team may... Have done the exact same thing and just outplayed you. Sure, right? Uh, you may have the confidence and still make mistakes, make the errors, make throw the interceptions, uh, whatever the thing is in in whichever sport you're talking about that causes little things to add up. But you were still confident going in. You just you had a bad game. You made some mistakes. Things didn't work out your way. Whatever. Uh, but I guarantee you that a, a negative result in a game. From someone who's confident Does not carry over Into the next game Right right. Um, that's one thing That I'm extremely proud Of these kids That I've done this, That I've had this year Is We lost to uh, We went in and beat a Nor- uh, Naaman Forrest 2-1 to one In a first District game Our second game Was the game When the kid told me If I'm one-on-one I think I can handle it mm-hmm. And we lost 3-1 to one. We won six in a row After that Maybe seven I forget what it was but they came back, they answered the mistake, the, the idea that we can take somebody lightly because we're good, you mm-hmm. know, or whatever. My team is a good team. They're, they are made up of several, several good players, great attitudes mostly, and, and they got full of themselves after one win in district. They came back, wet the bed, lost to North. And I just, I looked at, a couple things like who wants to be here mm-hmm. because f- Friday night you didn't, you thought you were, you thought you were, uh, uh, supposed to win. Like, like the, the soccer gods were just supposed to give you a win or something. Yes. Uh, you got to go out and get it. Mm-hmm. So who wants to be here? I made Saturday practice optional. We showed up and I just standed out, stood out there and watched them. And, uh, they were just kicking the ball around and doing some stuff. And I went out I was like, What are y'all doing? They're like, we're working. I'm like, no, you're not. You're just kicking the ball around. You, there's zero aim out here. <laughs> yeah. I said, So let's work on something. Let's do something that's beneficial. So we worked on corner kicks and stuff. And I got in there and started trying to throw the header down into the ball and get a goal, you know. And I tried to play defense and clear it out and stuff. Yeah. And I got in, I mean, I got, I got, I, got, I stunk afterwards and it was great. Uh I was also super sore afterwards. But I got in there, and so afterwards I said, whenever you come to work somewhere, you have to do something specific. You have to work on something to make yourself better. You can't just come out, kick the ball around, and say that you, you worked. Sure. And so I made it optional. So. I said, hey, I'm going to open up the weight room. Anybody that wants to work, you go in the weight room. I watched, they were all working on something. They were all lifting or doing the battle ropes or something that was that was benefiting them, and they did it for 20, 30 minutes constantly. There was a couple kids that stopped and talked and had little conversations in the middle, so you know they took time off or whatever. But for the most part, they went in there and they did what they wanted to do That's to great. try to better themselves. Yes. And so about uh, about six or seven kids didn't show up, but they had told me, where they were gonna be. They said they had a game or something. It was going to conflict anyways. And so uh, there was only one or two kids that didn't show up that didn't tell me they weren't showing. And I was like, okay, I know who you are. Sure. Like I know what I gotta deal with right now. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, so after that, we just completely took a look at who are we playing? What do we need to focus on? How are we gonna get there? yeah, And so we abandoned that when we lost because we did it so well against Naaman. we abandoned it against North, and then we had to pick it back up, and we we went six games, and and it was it was games like uh, we went down one score, but then we came back and won. So the kids didn't get down on themselves. It was games where it was uh, one to one to zero, we won one to zero, and those are some of the hardest games to hold on to in any sport. You're you're up by one point; that's a very difficult lead to hold. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways. Uh, and so there were a lot of fortunate things. I was like, listen, when you put the work in, fortune follows you. You're not going to win everything. You're not going to get all the things that you want. We then lost against Saxe, four to nothing. It was a game that was horribly, horribly timed, in my opinion. Uh, it was the fourth of four games in a week.
2: Oh, gosh. Mm.
0: Exactly. Uh, and it's our biggest opponent there undefeated at this time. Uh, beautiful weather all week and then we have a 30-minute lightning delay in the middle of the game. <laughs> oh. I mean, there's just so many little things, and none of these are excuses for sure. for the score, but it was one to zero when we went in. We we took 30 minutes off. We had to play a minute 17 seconds and then take a, like a two-minute break to finish the half rather than just making the whole second half 41 minutes and 17 seconds. Like, that would be crazy, right? Anyways, so we, got, we come out, and... The kids are upset, right? It's the first major thing. They really want to win. It's Sachse. It's a district rival. They come back out, and the mentality just dropped. And so I'm sitting back thinking, we were in third place before this four-game week. Mm -hmm. At the end of this four-game week, we were secured in second place. That's a good week. Sure. We won three out of four games when we should only be playing two in a week. Mm-hmm. That's a great week in my opinion. You have a three point lead over the person who was ahead of you just now. That's crazy. That's amazing. y'all gotta start y'all gotta understand that yes, we lost but what did we gain mm-hmm. from all this it's a rough week the very next week we had to play three games and it's just not it's not an easy thing to play three games in a week. Uh, I'd say the easier thing to do is play two games in one day. Mm -hmm. because you're in it you're already in it you uh that day of rest that day of recovery is huge in sports i mean football gets six days of recovery between games there's a reason for that you know anyways i don't want to put any any excuses into why we lost they just outplayed us i had a talk with coach stevens afterwards he brought me in he's like how you know how are you doing after that i was like i'm fine (laughs) he said no really like how are you I said, I knew somebody was going to get their butt whooped today. I knew somebody was going to win big. It was the fourth of four games. It was one-two matchup in district. It's a district rival, regardless of where we're placed in, in mm-hmm. the seating. It's the worst day weather-wise all week. Somebody was going to win that game big, and it happened to be them. Right. Not that big a deal. We have eight more games left in district or something like that. And then – uh, we lost one more game after that in a shootout, and we came back and we beat Saxie this past Friday in a shootout. And so there's there's just a lot of little things. And what they did there was they secured second place. They didn't allow North to jump us, who could have if we lost. Mm-hmm. And so and that was when I played all my juniors, and I just had my seniors go in for for a minute here mm-hmm. or there. Um, and it was. Number one, it was what am I going to have next year? That was my biggest thing. Sure. What is my team going to look like next year? We're going to be either second place or third place. The team we play next week, second or third place. There's not much. They're tied right now. <laughs> they're tied for for second. There's not going to be much difference between those two teams mm. in terms of how they play us or how we play them. It's going to be a good game regardless. So I wasn't worried about whether it's North Mesquite or Rockwall Heath. Because we have to go into it knowing we have to play hundred and ten percent, otherwise they're gonna roll us. It's just going to be how it is. And so, anyways, I wasn't worried about second or third place. So I said, "What's my team gonna look like next year? How are they gonna? Are they gonna step up? Are they not?" It was a great opportunity for those kids to to have eighty minutes of of yeah. as uninterrupted play as they could handle. And there was a couple kids I had to take off for fatigue, but mm-hmm. uh, but they responded to losses excellently they have responded to adversity really really well and so um, I've tried really hard to make sure ego is is in check or it's in the form of, of confidence going in knowing that we've prepared to play this game the way we know how to play soccer yeah. and it's been great but dude I'm telling you what it creeps in uh, there's a there's a verse in the Bible that talks about not letting the devil have a, have its have a foothold. Well, don't let your ego have a foothold and you, you know, mm-hmm. if you can handle it, keep him, keep sure. him at bay. And so anyways, uh, anyways, I just want to talk about ego and see how it, see how y'all perceived it. in in addition to that therapy that I know was a, was a necessary, it's a necessary thing in life and how do you respond to it? So, uh... Anyways, y'all got any other movies that need to that you need to see for how ego can affect anybody? It's okay if you don't. I know I'm putting you on the spot. I don't think so. Not that I can. Not that you can fully think about right now.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: I know. I told you when you got here. So had I told, <laughs> had I told you two and a half, three hours ago. You know, maybe you would have had some ammo, but that's okay. I didn't have much either. It's not that big a deal. It's good clothes, though. Uh, But, hey, guys, this is the podcast, Things You Think You Don't Care About. You can find us on all social media outlets, all podcasting platforms. As soon as there's another podcasting platform, I'm going to put ourselves on it because why not? If there's more places to find us, there's more ears potentially listening. Uh, Until next time, I am the Average Joe Boo telling you to keep it clean.
3: We got dad jokes and topics waiting.
0: We will reveal them in the next show. If you got a second, please give us a rating. Joe is meaner than the average Joe. Just remember the average Joe. Let you give a listen to our show. It takes a couple of hours to so get on a train. A new episode coming out again.
1: Mm-hmm. These ain't short and we ain't that small. We can't record with anybody at all.
0: These ain't short and we ain't that small We can't record with anybody at all Bring it all off and be sure to stay long